Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. Dee, it's good to have you on here. Dee is a personal trainer and naturopath specializing in helping her clients with uh, endometriosis. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about that today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and to have a chat. Yeah, finally we get to have a chat. We've been um, speaking online a little bit here and there, but it'll be good to have just a a good solid chat about this today. I know that personally as a trainer, I have come across women either who have been diagnosed with endometriosis or are going through that investigation process. Can you describe a little bit about what endometriosis is and what the symptoms are? Yeah, so um, endometriosis is a disease where um, tissue similar to the endometrium grows outside um, outside the endometrium and um, it can present with lots of different symptoms, um, period pain, um, bloating, um, bowel issues, um, migraines, um, painful sex. Um, I think there's that misconception though that um, endometriosis always presents as period pain and it doesn't necessarily, it can, it can, but then it can have um, all the, like a whole lot of other symptoms and some women have um, asymptomatic as well. So they don't have any symptoms and they still have endometriosis. Okay. All right. yeah. So the endometrium, what are we describing there? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's the part of the body that normally sheds when you have your period. technical yeah yeah a little bit of a technical term there for me um yeah uh, I thought I'd just take that moment yeah that was my understanding but I did just mention to you off the recording that uh, I thought I'd do a little bit of research before we jumped on and I have you know a few textbooks here on anatomy physiology uh exercise nutrition and I couldn't find the term endometriosis in the index I don't remember coming across it a lot either. And then that sort of says it's not researched enough, this condition or? Yeah, there's um, a few reasons why. Um, so it is, um, it's a lot more common than what people actually realise. I think last time they did statistics, it's a one in every 10 women has it it could possibly be one in every eight now. I think they, they might've updated the statistics. So that's actually quite a lot of women um, that have, that can, that can have the end up diagnosed with endometriosis. And um, there's a lot of mis, uh, maybe not misdiagnosis, but incorrect information because it's not understood quite, it's not understood that well. So originally they thought it was from um, retrograde menstruation, which means where the blood flows back up but, um, but that particular theory has been discredited and they're not 100% sure of the reasons why it actually occurs. Um, and yeah, there, there isn't much information around about it, unfortunately. Um, it's getting to be much more well known and um, the government put a whole lot of research into it a couple of years ago too. So there's becoming a lot more awareness and 
um, research and things to go into to understand more about it and more treatments for it as well. That I come across in my job as a personal trainer who are symptomatic or unsure what's going on, but they have pain very frequently and often it stops them from training. To me, that says that it's very common, uh, which is why I was a little bit shocked to not be able to find some solid information um, just in some of the, the textbooks that I've got here. But um, it does stop women from training. Women describe different symptoms. Um, what are some of the treatments? Um, what are some of the things that you found help women training? Because I find that often they feel a little bit left out if they can't train the way that they normally would when they're not experiencing pain. They get a little bit down, disappointed in themselves. They worry about their progress as well. So what have you found helps your clients with that? Yeah, it, it's, it's a tricky one because I think it comes back to listening to your body because pain is an indication that something's actually going on and it's not something that um, you should or a woman should ignore. It, it's, it's like an alert system. So, but, but that comes back to, um, I guess, what's the, the theories and things around society in terms of period pain because it's, we think period pain is normal and it's actually not normal. Period, period pain is not normal. So, and what I mean by that is if you're having to pop lots of painkillers and it's having an impact on the things that you, you normally do in your life, then that's kind of like a bit of a red flag that you should go get. It's not, you shouldn't have to suffer through your period. That's not how it's supposed to be. And, um, and whereas society has kind of made us feel like that that's how it is. Like, oh, you get your period, you get pain, you have your hot water bottle, you pop your pills, and then you stay in bed. Like, that, that's not how it should be. So um, I think that's the first thing. If they are getting that amount of pain and they're feeling like they can't train, then to actually kind of take a step back and say, well, what's actually going on? Maybe I need to investigate this a little bit further and, and go see the right type of specialist um, to get it investigated. Um, and then secondly, it comes back down to like, well, are you listening to your body? And it could be more of like a, I don't know if you kind of do this with your training as well, but um, I know that for me, if I have, if I do feel like I'm in pain, I might do like a three week hard cycle and then have a bit more of a downtime. So it could be more about whether you, whether you go back to doing like your mobility work or you do, you focus more on your core or, um, you know, stretching and things like that. My clients going through that process at the moment. Um, it's been a process of education amongst my client groups about how strength training works as opposed to your standard group fitness classes that they are so used to attending. Because the idea is that you go into your group fitness class, you get what you're given in that class, you smash yourself, you sweat. You feel like that, that's a good workout, right? That's how most people determine that a workout is good. So I've been moving a lot of my clients across into um, proper periodized strength training. And it's been a massive process of educating them around what that looks like, uh, the benefits, how to implement it, how to do it. And some of them even scratch their heads going, you know, like, well, what do you mean I need to wait between sets or, um, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do all the exercises every day, 
all of that aside, the reason that I went down that path is to be able to individualize programs for people with different issues and period pain or endometriosis is a massive barrier to women participating in a standardized group fitness class because if they feel like they're going to show up and we're doing burpees or, you know, anything that is not even push-ups, you know, that really working their core, they might have a lot of pain there. What they're going to do if they, if they think that that's what they have to do to exercise every time um, for that week, they're going to miss training. And I did notice that a lot with um, quite a few women. And I'm going to put my hand up to be lynched here and say that when you say that period pain isn't normal, I don't personally, I'm not very symptomatic. And this is why I asked you on today so I could have a chat with you because I'm talking to my clients, I'm hearing and observing what happens to them. And it, fortunately, I haven't had to go through that myself. So to me, I wondered if I was abnormal because I was not experiencing those really severe symptoms. It's so common. It is. And that's, a, and that's the thing that comes back down to the statistics are so high. Like if one in 10, if you have, um, you know, a small group of women, there's going to be quite a few in that group that have it, or they're going to know maybe their sister does or their auntie does or, or their daughter does. And it is so much more common than what you realize. And another one of the big statistics is, is that the average diagnosis is between seven to 12 years. So that means that all these women keep going to the doctor going, I've got pain or I've got this or, um, and, and then, or they just continue to self-prescribe. Um, and that comes back down to, well, often the treatment is um, the birth control pill, but the pill only masks the symptoms of endo. So it might reduce the pain. That's why it's given, but endo continues to grow. So there's this kind of pattern that I see with my clients in the more in the clinic side of things is that, they go on the pill, say in their twenties, and then they might stay on it for five years or ten years, and then they they come off it to have a baby, and then they're like, "Why am I having such excruciating pain? And and why am I now having trouble with fertility? Because um, endo continued. They had endo, and endo continued to grow all that time, and it wasn't until they came off the pill that they started to get, um, you know." go down the path of a formal diagnosis and so a lot of women it only it comes up once they start to try to have kids as well and i have uh clients who haven't had children who experience endometriosis or what they describe as very painful periods lots of bloating um i have one client in particular when i mentioned that i we were having this chat today um, she she recently had surgery, I think it was January or February for endo, so to remove some of the growth. Um, and she said it worked for a little while and she's now starting to experience symptoms again already. So, oh, I hate hearing stories like this. So this is, there's, this is where it's really important that they see um, a particular type of specialist because a lot of um, obstetricians and gynos can do the surgery for endometriosis, but there's two ways to remove it. One is a burning method and one is a cutting method. And the burning method is the common way that most um, obstetricians or um, uh, uh, gynecologists do. That's the method that they use, but it has a much higher rate of recurrence. So that means that 
a lot of women do that particular surgery and then a couple of months later they actually um, are in pain again because it doesn't give long-term relief. The other type of surgery is where they cut the bur- they cut the endo out and it is a done by a specialist called an advanced trained laparoscopic excision specialist. So they've done more training and they use the excision method, which is the cutting method, and um, you get a lot more relief with that. So that's where it's a conversation about, well, you want to be able to see the right type of practitioner so that you get the longer term relief. Otherwise, it's just a couple of months and then it's all back. It comes back. Yeah. Yeah. So the cutting method, I'm going to guess, has a longer yeah. recovery period. So that might turn yeah. some people off. Yeah, it does, that, have, a, yeah. It does have a longer um, uh, recovery period. Most women take about two to three weeks off work. And then, you know, there's a recovery period because it's a sl- it's still surgery. It's still a trauma of the body. Um, and then they normally feel back to normal with energy levels and training levels and everything like that at the three-month mark. But they, it can give you years. It can give you years of relief. Yeah. Um, you mentioned we we did touch on training from a training perspective, periodizing the training methods, uh, the training volume and the loads around um, a woman's cycle. And I think the big takeaway from what we've said so far is that. Um, Yes, it's common, yeah. maybe not as well recognised as we'd like as a condition, but yeah. very individual. Yes, yes, very individual, very, very individual. Because it doesn't, it's not like it, say, for instance, arthritis and then you just get your pain in your joints. Because it can present in so many different ways and the treatment is the treatment is slightly different depending on how it presents in the woman. And also from a training perspective, that comes into play because... Some women might be fine doing core work and then other women, it doesn't, it's not as great. Like they just can't do it or they could um, be more like if, because it's a stress on the body as well. So if they're doing really high intensity training, they might not be able to handle it. They might have to um, reduce the load a little bit or, um, you know, have more rest. Difficult for some people to wrap their heads around, as I was saying, when women, it's, it brings up this whole issue around what women think their exercise is for. Yeah. What they've been told is good quality exercise, so smashing yourself, and I've been there too. Um, and, you, know, you can still enjoy that at the right time and place and in the right amount. But one of the things that I'm finding with women um, across the board, whether they're endo sufferers or not, is trying to get that overtraining mentality out of their head. And I think this is where some of the stress comes in with my endo sufferers that I see. Um, some of that stress around I'm not doing enough training is the message, like if, if I'm skipping out of training, if I'm having to take time off training at that particular point in my cycle or when I'm experiencing pain, um, then you know, am I not going to make progress? Am I going to, you know, am I failing my training plan? Look, everyone else is doing it. So it very much comes back to changing attitudes, in my opinion, changing some of those messages that are out there around women and training and um, teaching women to listen to their body. Yeah. And that comes down to also is working with someone <clears throat> like a coach who understands that so that then that's the person that you check back in with all the time and that you can help, they can help you with that mindset 
to change, to not understand that it doesn't have to always look a certain way in order to get results. That's the individualization side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, when people have been so used to um, mass marketed fitness and group yeah. training, um, they think if they don't fit that mold, then they're, they've failed in some way. Um, I see the disappointment in people's faces when they have to cancel their training or in their tone and in their messages when they have to cancel their training because they're in so much pain. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It is hard. And I think and that's the, that comes back down to if you are in the pain, get it checked out. But then also, you know, you know, nutrition has a huge part in that as well because if you're fueling your body with bad food, then it's not going to function optimally either. I know that if I'm not like looking at my normal nutrition habits and implementing those really well, and we're talking basics here, we're not talking yeah. any, you know, extreme dieting from my end, I'm pretty flexible. But if I am not looking after myself, if I'm not being mindful of those habits, I'm more symptomatic in the lead up to my period than if I, if I'm ticking most of my boxes, like not even being perfect nutrition wise, you know, hydration, protein, vegetables, wide variety. Um, if I'm ticking all those boxes in the lead up to my period, I literally don't even know when it's coming. I have no symptoms. And I've made that link to my nutrition and symptoms in the past to a male doctor and he rolled his eyes at me. Yeah, the medical world doesn't necessarily understand that the nutrition and, you know, supplements and lifestyle changes can have an impact. They haven't quite caught up yet. It's hard as a nutritionist to find literature that supports my experience. Yeah. So to be able to find research where people have looked into this linkage, and I think that's across the board with women and their health and their training and their nutrition, everything seems to come back to us needing to learn to listen to our own bodies, but we've always been told not to. Yeah, 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 definitely. And the, um, so whilst endo is a, um, a gynecological driven, I guess, or it's, that's where it starts, because it can affect the whole body, it can cause a lot of inflammation. So the inf to trying to reduce the inflammation in your diet and your lifestyle is a really important factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And carrying excess weight leads to inflammation as well. But if you've only ever tried non-individualized ways of um, managing weight or, you know, people when they're in pain, when they're emotional, when they um, feel like they can't participate in the types of things that they would like to in terms of training. Yeah. Well, I know that I would be probably reaching for food as well and probably gaining a bit of excess weight. So that's where that emotional eating comes in too and it sort of compounds the situation. Yeah, or sugar. Sugar's not good for inflammation at all. Yeah, not a lot of it. Yeah. 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 And that's the kind of things that you reach for when you're not feeling the best. Most people. Yeah. Those highly palatable, sugary, fatty things. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So um, what kind of um 
nutrition strategies have you found that helped you manage your um, symptoms? So me personally? Yep. Yeah. So um, I found that um, that quite an anti-inflammatory diet works. Um, so I tend to eat a, I don't eat gluten or dairy because of the, like the inflammatory side of things. And then um, similar to what you said, I make sure I eat heaps of protein, like enough protein and lots of vegetables um, and yeah, minimally processed foods. I just find the diet, I feel better that way. Less bloating, um, <clears throat> less pain, less inflammation. Taking it back to basics, isn't it really? Yes. Is um, beneficial for most people. I don't tend to um, look at particular food groups with my clients unless they really need that. Um, but I think a wide variety of, of the basics and then you can have a little bit of something else. It's when we overdo the other stuff. It's like, you know, people talking about going free well that's really just a whole foods diet isn't it yeah. it's going back to basics again when you talk about being anti-inflammatory it's going back to basics more often than not yeah yeah exactly. only a small percentage of people are actually gluten intolerant yeah exactly yeah so it's not yeah I, and i i haven't done any of the tests or anything to find that i am gluten intolerant i'm not celiac i just know that if i eat more gluten i just have more inflammation and more pain and so i've just worked out that's what it works that's what works for me yeah of self-awareness like we've described too listening to your body yeah did you diarize that at all d as part of that process did you diarize like food diary um as in myself not 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 so much on the food side of things, but definitely more on the symptom side of things. So I came off the pill oh, nearly 10 years ago now. And from that point, I started to track my symptoms. So then I could see, well, at this time, say mid-cycle, I would have more inflammation or I would have ovary pain or I would have headaches. And so I kind of had much, I've had a strong symptom picture and then I could work out whether, well, or if I eat, I know that I'm not going to feel great during this time of the month. So they're the times that I need to be more mindful about my food and, you know, my stress levels and my exercise and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And what type of a training cycle do you put in? You do heavier three weeks, you do mobility. Well, my endo is well managed now, so I don't really have any, I don't have any pain at the moment, at the moment, since I've had my surgery and I've implemented a lot of the same strategies that I tell my own clients. So um, I'm I'm fine to continue training. I'm just more mindful that if I, um, which is just general, it's not necessarily related to endo, that if I don't feel great, I don't push myself as much in the gym. Yeah. That's that mentality of listening to your body. Knowing that it's okay to take a step back and you're not going to go backwards in, term of, in terms of your progress, whether that's even if it's like lifting a particular weight or, you know, reaching a body composition goal, it's trusting that you exercise for reasons other than weight loss as well. Yes. I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest stresses for some of the women that I work with around skipping their sessions. Yeah, and it's about consistency because it's 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 just it's more. I find that well, you know this too. It's you get the results by the consistency. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
five times each week. It can, it's more, it's that balance continuously. You're training volume over the course of a month, of a yes. three-month period, six-month period, year. So you can achieve that potentially on your good weeks and then give yourself a bloody break when you need to. Give yourself a break, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But that's not the message. And I, I would say that I was to that message of like consistency on a day-to-day -day basis in the past until working with a lot of women in this same boat and you start scratching your head and going, well, there has to be a better solution for these women and other women and other conditions as well, which is why, as I said, going down that path of individualization. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to listen to your body and, yeah, listen to what's going on because you're not going to feel like someone said to me, um, I can't think who it was now, it was like you're not, you don't have to set, each workout doesn't have to set a fire, like be on fire. Like you, it, you, sometimes you just show up and you, um, it's about getting it done, not necessarily hitting all your personal best. Like that's not the, it's not the point every single training session. Something similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. How do you work with, how can women who want to learn more about what you do, Dee, how can they work with you? Yeah, so I um, do. Oh, don't you? You have I your podcast. podcast. Yes. Yes, I have a podcast um, where I interview other um, experts that work within um, the women's health um, industry as well. Um, to provide their perspective of how other things that can help women with endo or um, with period pain. And then I also have started another um, podcast series where I'm interviewing other women who have endometriosis and their unique journey and their, the message of hope that they want to share to um, the endometriosis community. Um, and then I also, from a clinic's perspective, work one-on-one -on -one with women to help um, manage their hormones and their endo as well. Do you have a Facebook group or anything yeah, or a website I can link to in the notes? Yeah, I have a website, which is um, my business Inspired Health by D. And I also have a Facebook group for endometriosis women called Endo Collective. I'll link to those in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Thanks for chatting. Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit.